This episode of NBA Offseason Talks with Rules Rants is brought to you by the homie, the one and only, at BetCommish. Follow at BetCommish on Twitter. That is at B-E-T-C-O-M-M-I-S-H. Let them know Rubes Rant sent you. Let them know the Brody sent you. Let them know Rubes sent you. Get signed up today. Win cash. Cash the freak out. Easy to pay in. Easy pay out. It's the sports book you need to be using, especially if you're a newbie. You know, if you're new to this gambling life, you know, you go hit him up. He'll get your account set up. You deposit a little chunk of change, you know, don't bet more than you're willing to win. Yeah, you heard me. <laughs> you can hit me up for a little bit of gambling advice. You know, I'm not the, I'm not a professional just yet, maybe. Maybe one day I will be. But anyways, you can hit me up if you have questions. You can hit him up if you have questions. Get started today. You know, make some bets, win some money, cash out. We all could use some extra cash right now. And no better way to get started than bet on sports, especially if you love sports. Get started today at BetCommish. Hit him up on Twitter. Let him know Rubes Rant sent you, man. Now, first things first, man. I appreciate all the support for the uh, for the podcast that we've been getting. Make sure if you haven't checked out previous episodes that you are uh, checking those out. Send uh, send them to friends, family. You know, it is a little little uh, you know not suitable for work, so don't listen to our loud. You know, it's not like we're talking crazy, crazy. We just talk a little, you know, a little curse words here and there. Try to be better at that. But with that being said, today is going to be all sports edition, strictly NBA talk. I might have a little NFL talk in there. Probably not though. There's a lot going on in the NBA. NBA is coming back fast. I got a good buddy that I met on Twitter. He's uh, a, I think he's like a writer for um, an OKC blog, you know. Um, so Brandon's gonna get Brandon will hop on a call here soon. We'll get some, you know, we'll talk things. I, I asked for some questions and I got some, uh, you know, some questions I'll sent on Twitter, Instagram. With that being said, make sure you do follow me on all social media platforms at Jimenez 15 mog. That's Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. So you can keep up with all of what Rube's got going on, man. But without further ado, let's give Brandon a call. Let's get rocking and rolling, man. Yeah. What's up, dog? What's good, brother? Chilling, man. You know, ready to ready to talk all this NBA craziness. I know. I don't know what's been going on in the world of the NBA, but it's going crazy. And Kyle Kuzma is kind of adding on to that. <laughs> so... For those of y'all that didn't listen to the intro a little bit or didn't just listen now, you skipped ahead. Uh, I do have Brandon on, on the line. You can follow him on his social media. I don't know what other social medias you have, but I know you have your uh, you have your Twitter, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, Twitter's, Twitter's Mr. October. It's just got a K, K right in the middle of the O and the C. Yes, sir. OKC, baby. Yes. Turn it up. Yes, sir. So make sure you give him a follow. That Again, that is at M-R-O-K-C. T O B E R, Mr. October. <laughs> I like it. You like that? Yep. I like it. Well, go ahead, Brandon. Just uh, you know, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, small talk, little things like when you got started in the NBA, uh, what you're doing now, and uh, we'll go from there, man. Sounds good. Yeah, I was. I was just thinking about this for a minute. Uh, I started watching NBA right around Michael Jordan's last year. Back in like '96, man. So, so I was probably like maybe like six or seven. And really, to be honest, I I can't remember a lot from 
being young, but I remember the NBA Finals, Michael Jordan uh, crossing over, Byron Russell kind of at the last second to to get his sixth ring. And I just remember like being so amazed at at everything going on. You know, I'd watch the fans and kind of just what was going on and how he interacted with the crowd, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so after that, you know, he kind of retired, and then the NBA really switched to, like, Shaq, Kobe. Um, and so I kind of was, you know, just a fan of everything. I didn't really have a team until, you know, I got a little bit older, started really following the Dallas Mavericks, um, they were trash though bro they were so bad so like you i would go to games and just watch them uh it was like steve nash kind of young that type of stuff michael finley some throwback names sean bradley i don't know if you remember that but like yes, sir. right so it was just kind of i mean they were it was fun to go but they were always like gonna be the worst team usually in the west that year and so really it was just kind of about entertainment then um mm -hmm. you know being from oklahoma it's it's not you know we don't have a lot going on so it's kind of like ou football or osu football and that was kind of that was the other part right so it was it's interesting thinking about life before the thunder got here as opposed to what was going on before because i just kind of you know you follow the nba and you know what's going on but you just don't uh, really, you're not that invested into it, right? So, yeah. so fast forward to 2005, um, New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina. That whole thing happens. Uh, I remember kind of watching it, you know, being like, "Whoa!" Just, just my heart went out just to kind of that whole situation, man. And then, you know, you kind of just going home from school one day and you hear like, hey, New Orleans is going to come to Oklahoma City and try to do the rest of their seasons and that type of thing. And so that was kind of the first introduction to real like, well, I, I say like, I guess, you know, you got the Mavs when I was younger, but as kind of like a teenager, adult type deal, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that was really cool, man. I was just... I was blown away at that whole experience, man. Chris Paul's rookie season, uh, you know, they kind of they got into the playoffs, I think, that year. Um, I don't remember. I can't remember what happened, but I just remember being like, I could definitely see a pro team being in Oklahoma City, man, and yeah. jump to two, 2008. And we get, you know, you could talk, we could talk all day about how we got the team or or whatever, and I know Seattle's probably going to be pissed forever, but hey, you know, they decided to to do the deal and, and come to Oklahoma City, man, and it changed the whole community. It changed everything. Jobs all around here, uh, development going up left and right, and then it was just a whole experience. And so I became a full, just a full, massive uh under everything bro it's just like it was all i cared about and so not only that but you get to see kevin durant at a young age mm -hmm. um you know and then the next couple of years you get harden westbrook uh abaca and it's just like watching that like i i feel really spoiled as a fan because i and i still to this day i love watching kevin Durant play basketball man i, I may you know 
I may not like whatever team he's on, <laughs> but I, I I love watching good basketball. And so yeah. watching him do his thing, it was amazing, dude. It was just kind of like, it's just I always knew I was going to get a show every time I, you know, went to a game or sat down with the homies and watched uh, a playoff game or whatever. And it was just the the atmosphere is, is incredible. If if someone you know, I know it's different now, but if you know if someone hadn't been to an OKC game, I I would highly suggest it. It's it's an experience for sure. But um, you know, and I've followed the Thunder ever since then. It's it's now getting to a point where it's something that I want to make a a career out of. You know, um, I do a little bit of writing and contributing for this group. Uh, you can find them on under under slash OKC UK on Twitter. Um, and it's kind of it's just a group of guys out over there in England, Manchester, England, that do a lot of you know, OKC coverage, which mm-hmm. is crazy because we got fans from all over the place Everywhere. and it blows my mind, man. And so that's what's cool about it is the networking and and uh, just meeting people. But yeah, now I'm back at school trying to do professional media. And so it's really been a situation where it, it took something that was a hobby mm-hmm. and something that I like talking about or whatever into a full-on uh, lifestyle, career choice, kind of a path. Like it's, it's fun to me at the same time, but you know, it's also, it's cool to know that, Hey, that's something you could try to do, you know, make a career out of, or even if it's not with the thunder, it's just sports in general, you know? So I'm trying to kind of navigate, uh, those roads and just figure out, you know, kind of what the next step is. But yeah, man, that's a little bit about myself. So hell yeah, man. Yeah. And, uh, What's it called? The uh, the atmosphere you're talking about in OKC, man. I've I've always wanted to an attend attend a game. Just kind of never worked out with the schedule. Um, I it, so the 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 facility. It's it's a it's a smaller like bowl type atmosphere, right? Like it's it's right. like the the gym itself. Yeah, so it's not very. You know, it's not like. I mean, I know you're in Texas, and it's like I remember going to like American Airlines or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's massive, you know. Yeah. You just kind of um, it it definitely fits that small market type, you know, atmosphere, and you're kind of even if you don't have really good tickets, you're yeah. still gonna in see the, the action type yeah. thing. Uh, it's the cool little place. Yeah, you definitely can see that. I remember uh, one of my favorite memories of all time is. I believe it was the Lakers when Russ got that steal and then that and one, he just flipped up in the air and he went crazy. Uh, yeah, he got no, that little and one. Yeah, that was that was probably one of my. But you can see it and you can see it in that moment, just like you know, they, they panned out the picture and you could see it from the front, the front, uh, the courtside seats to all the way to the like the upper deck. You could see it in all one picture. And that's why I was like, man, I can't imagine being in that arena. It's always always seems like it's full, always loud, like. Oh, dude, it was, and that's what I was going to say is it's so, de- like, you might need earplugs or something. It's deafening, <laughs> bro. It's just like, it's some, it's the loudest stuff I've ever been a part of. It's yeah. crazy. I love it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm glad, you know, Oklahoma fans have a, 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 a got the chance to, to host a, a, a sports team, a professional sports team. And, you know, they've showed out from the, from, from the beginning. And uh, so that's, so that's good, you know, and, uh, I appreciate you for jumping on, man. And you know, with the NBA going on right now, man, I guess no better way to transition into 
talking about craziness uh, in a facility than talking about the craziness with uh, with COVID and, and the season starting up here in December. I think December 22nd was the um, the start date. Uh, did, did that catch you by surprise by any chance or did you, did you pretty much think that was set going to be set in stone no matter what? So the thing about the NBA is they, you know, it's like you're looking at the numbers and we're looking at what happened this past season and all this different stuff. It's like, they still need to figure out how they're going to make their money. Right. Um, and the biggest thing is Christmas day basketball. It's one of the, it's. It's something that people just kind of, even casual fans that maybe you don't watch NBA all the time. Yeah. You, I mean, it's like either, I can't remember if you got football going on too, possibly on Christmas Day, or maybe I'm getting confused with Thanksgiving, but either way, you're going to yeah. be tuning in to, you know, some type of hoops, and it's all day long. And so the the idea to get it started is a little bit concerning in the sense that what are the Lakers going to do? What yeah. are the Heat going to do? What is what does rest look like? Um, say if I go to a game and the Lakers are playing the Thunder, and this happened to me before, you go and you want maybe you pay to see uh, LeBron, mm-hmm. and he's he's resting that night. Yeah. So, and I understand you're you know you're getting up in age, and you know you need to do whatever you need to do for your body, but at the same time, um, how are they going to be able to do this 82-game season just getting off the heels of another season? And that's kind of that's kind of a little bit concerning. And then plus we don't, we're not taking into account the, you know, you're talking about COVID, the numbers from now we're not in a bubble. So yeah. what's going to happen when, you know, I watch, I'm looking at reports all the time, like Ben Roethlisberger was, I think he was in contact or around somebody that maybe tested positive when mm-hmm. he had to sit out for a little bit. So there's all that type of stuff that is probably going to happen now that um, they're trying to, you know, incorporate the fans going back in and all that stuff and talking mm-hmm. about making money. Um, you know, I just read something about the Warriors trying to i think they're going to do 50 percent capacity or something like that so it's interesting man uh we'll see you know yeah no i feel that yeah it's uh you know i I, it's kind of the same same thing we're seeing with uh the uh it's kind of tough because the difference with basketball you know and and this is one of the main reasons why i like it you know you got to think of the teams that obviously didn't go to the bubble you know Hmm. um one thing that one thing I've, I've I've been reading, you know, they're like, well, people are going to get injured because they didn't have a full offseason. I'm like, oh, well, you got to think differently about that uh, compared to football. You know, th- basketball is a sport you can go work one-on-one. And you can be, you know, you're not going to be up to game speed because, you know, you if you're not against other people all the time, then, yeah, you kind of lose that game speed. But you can definitely get in the gym and, and, and do sprints. Uh, one of my favorite drills of all time, I would literally – I would bounce the ball at half court. I would sprint down to the baseline, pick the ball up, pull up for a three. Wherever it lands, I would toss it back to half court, sprint to the baseline, uh, and you know, just back and forth. And you know that that's you're, one. You're getting your shots up. Two, you're getting a little bit of cardio in. Blase, blase. You know, and so I don't think and you know those those teams that haven't played basketball in a while. I think they're gonna be. I think they're gonna look really rough. And the teams that got 
that you know left the left the bubble early because they got kicked out or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I think I think they'll be kind of the the they'll start out looking really good, um, and then you know you get like you said those those teams that kind of last longer in the bubble. It's just kind of to me, it's kind of like. I don't know where I sit with that because even though, yeah, the Lakers played later into the bubble, there was no travel. There was no, you know, a lot of what hurts them, a lot of the the back-to-backs, the, the long flights, the getting in at 4 a.m., trying to get us get some sleep till about noon and then having to play a 2, 2 p.m. game or something, you know, those games on Saturdays and stuff, like, they, you know, they didn't really have that. And so I'm interested to, you know, I, I know – I know they still played later in the year, and teams that got to the finals, of Heat and and uh, the Lakers, you know, they definitely they definitely get, ended up banged up, whatever the case may be. But I don't know; it is going to be interesting. And and like you said, it that oh man, I we could talk we could talk about player rest players resting throughout the week for you know for for hours. I just wish there was a I almost wish there was like a mandatory weekly report where. The staff had to come in on Sunday nights and and send out. Look, we're gonna have, uh, you know, barring any injuries or anything, uh, we plan to sit LeBron James on the on the Thursday game of the back to back from Wednesday Thursday, whatever the case may be. Blage blage. But I wish that they had to do something like that because yeah, that's that's tough. And I think that's one of the main reasons why you know NBA numbers are down because people you know people don't. The your average fan, the one who wants to see good basketball but doesn't really have a favorite team, um, like for me, I'm I'm an average NFL fan. I don't really care for the NFL nor the sport, um, but I do enjoy good football. But I'm only going to tune in when I know it's good teams playing. I'm not going to tune in for the trash games, you know. Or and and I think for the average fan of basketball, they want to see that they want to see those big games and stuff, or they want to see those you know they want to see those highlight reel games but if they don't know when the person's going to play well then why tune in if if not every game matters essentially you know if if LeBron James could take a game off and they're going to just get blown out by 20 or even blow a, t- a trash team out by 20 without LeBron playing well what's the point of me watching and so I, that's why I think outside of also the streaming services and stuff and illegal streaming you know that's why numbers seem to be down but it is going to be interesting going into this new year um, with not, you know, especially trying to incorporate rookies and trades and offseason nonsense. Uh, it's going to be wild, especially with it happening so soon and so quickly. Um, but I think, it, you know, I, I think it's going to be, I think, like you said, NBA Christmas basketball is become, has become must-see basketball almost. You know, it's it's it sucks for them who play the game, you know, it's kind of weird that, that we, uh, you know, that we're like, oh, they need to be playing, blah, 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 and it's like, man, you know, they probably haven't spent Christmas with their family, like, I mean, I know they get to go, but imagine having to go to work on Christmas Day, like, that's, I don't know, it's, bro, that's a good point, it is, you know, it's, it's kind of spoiled for us to, you know, because I, I was, I know, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, I was yeah. big on, like, they gotta get back before Christmas, they gotta get back before Christmas, but I was like, you know, I kind of feel bad because at the same time I get to sit at home with my family and watch Christmas basketball. So it just it it's just it's funny that the way we think about things, you know, it's like oh they got to get back. And it's like well I definitely I sure as hell ain't going into work on Christmas Day. So bro, um, I'm so spoiled, bro. I didn't yeah, like you're saying. I didn't even realize. Yeah, like they gotta go. You know, they gotta go back. I mean, they gotta go back to work, and probably some of them were like. Man, I was hoping we could chill through Christmas and maybe get mm-hmm. cut going afterwards. But yeah, I didn't. 
I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. But the last t- thing you were talking about with the trades, that's kind of where I'm really interested in to see, okay, these different trades, who's going where, and then how are they going to be able to just make that adjustment on the fly, basically. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be real interesting. Yeah, I think we've seen it. We've seen a little bit with the NFL. You know, mid-season trades, the trade deadline came up, and not a lot of teams made trades just because, I mean, especially NBA – is a lot different, um, but NFL is, I mean, you know, they, they, they're basically, they have to, they make that trade, then they have to quarantine whenever they move to the new city, and then they have to get tests, make sure to pass COVID, so, you know, a lot of trades, I feel like a lot of trades didn't go down, because, I mean, in the NFL, each game matters towards your, you know, towards your record, and towards your seeding, so, you know, he may, if say you trade for somebody, now you lose three or, I don't know, two or three good players, and now you just completely basically blow a whole week of games or a whole week of game and you lose that game. Now you're six and four instead of six or seven and three, you know, and yeah, you get your, who you traded for that next week. But I think I am nervous about that, uh, especially, I mean, we might as well dive into it. I'm nervous about that, especially with, I, I don't want to rerun as let's, we can talk OKC and then we'll move into the NBA itself. I don't want to rerun back. I don't want to run this, this year back. This was the, absolute most perfect year OKC could have had at all um and I don't want to run that back I don't want to risk that I don't want any part of that idea of uh running it back with CP3 Schroeder um I mean Adams I think Adam I don't think Adams leaves uh but we will talk some of his potential destinations but um, I, I mean, Gallo is definitely gone. I want to be able to sign and trade him, get him out of the, get him out, but also get some, something in return, hopefully. But, uh, I mean, how do you feel about that? Obviously I'm, I'm kind of, kind of curious to what you, what you think about running it back or whatever, because there is a potential, you know, if they can't get the training camp in, they can't get the same things in. Do you really want to bring in a new, you know, for these contender type teams, do you want to bring somebody in who may not get to play for you or, or get the work in that you that you would like and so now you come out the gates and and they're playing sh- shorter amount of games so you know games are going to matter a little bit more uh but go ahead and, and discuss what you feel about that so the the idea with chris paul kind of like i was listening to bill simmons today he said he doesn't think chris paul is gonna get traded he doesn't think like russ is gonna get traded mm-hmm. some of the stuff and i'm just sitting there going like what like and what what scenario would you have Chris Paul be with this team again after we just hire a guy who's 35 years old mm-hmm. Chris Paul's probably damn near older than him I think you know Chris Paul's 35 or 36 so yeah come on yeah <laughs> so that idea doesn't make sense to me uh I think I want to say Sam Presti kind of was trying to figure out how to get rid of Paul maybe in the middle of last season or before kind of even last year he probably I think he might have mentioned hey you know if this season doesn't go kind of how you want it we will look for a place you know that mm-hmm. you want to go and I really think Sam Presti has a good track record of you know ask getting input from players on where they want to go we yeah. see it we see it all the time Paul George uh Russ uh shoot you can name him like there's a lot of situations where you know he works with the players and so I would like to see a team that has Dort 
and Baisley and Shea and just kind of scrap everything else. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it would be. Maybe we'd win like 20 games, 25. Maybe we'd do better, but it would be it, – it seems to me that the idea of bringing in, you know, this Dagnalt guy uh, who's a developmental coach and who – has a lot of respect with some of these younger players. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that maybe they're wanting to go the younger route. And so kind of like a whole rebuild. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because Thunder fans are going to have to be patient. I'm kind of I, – I would be happy to see that because, you know, I really liked watching Baisley when he got his minutes. Um, I love Lou Dort. I love everything that guy's about. Yeah. He is a scrappy, you know, hard – just everything about this dude is, uh, you know, Thunder basketball. So real, real quick, real quick. Uh, I know uh, somebody who's been on the Thunder radar for forever, Marcus Smart. Um, I, to me, Lou Dort is our Marcus Smart. Uh, yep. Has the potential to, you know, has the potential to hopefully inc- uh, become a better shooter, obviously. In today's NBA, you definitely need that. You don't want him to turn into a Roberson. Um, but – he is that dog. He is that, you know, he is going to be that, well, let's hope, you know, let's hope he turns into that guy who's the first one on the floor, the last one off the floor, um, balls on the floor, first one on the floor again, last one to get up. He's not letting go of the ball until he Don't has the ball. Yep. Yeah, like everything about him screams Marcus Smart. Our, we finally got our Marcus Smart. And look, man, I, I – I know it's the bubble. I know it was the Rockets who don't play much defense. I know there was a team forcing him to beat them. And for a two-way contract player to come out, you know, come out in a game seven and get 30 points, you know, that, you know, there's no, obviously you don't want to overreact to that. But, I mean, for a guy like that to come in, basically steal Ferguson's uh, 2K Ferg spot and then come out in a game seven, his first playoff series and, and, and give you thirty. I, 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 I mean, that to was me, a it's, cool thirty too. Yeah, bro. before you know it. Mm. I mean, everything for him screams Marcus Smart. But you can keep going on about my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off, but we oh, no, definitely did want to discuss Dort a little bit. Yeah, bro, that's a good. That's a good. That's the probably the best comparison that you know because I heard that some somewhere else talking to somebody they're like I think this might have been towards the end of the season in the bubble like man Lou Dort reminds me a lot of Marcus Smart and I was mm-hmm. thinking, sitting there thinking you know he really does he he does all the things that a lot of players you know sometimes you want to take some defense defensive plays off if you you know you're heavy yeah. on the offensive end and that's just that's kind of how it goes man I you know <laughs> You want to, you want everyone to. Uh, I always mess around and say KD didn't play a lick of defense in Oklahoma City, and then he decided to go to Oakland and start playing defense. But I agree, <laughs> bro. He, you know, Dort just he gives you that that Marcus Smart mentality where he's going to make your team tougher. He's mm-hmm. going. He's, he's like you said, you know, that hard work. Uh, just one of those dudes. He hopefully his shooting gets better. Sometimes that you know they were they were sagging off of him like crazy. Uh, the Rockets they were just kind of giving that disrespectful little like, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna cover you out there, but you can shoot that as much as you want. And yep. some nights he would you know he would make them pay, but other times you know it his shot looked a little iffy. But he's young, bro. He's so young. So I'm excited. 
Yeah, I, I like it. I like it for sure. And and the thing that, you know, I think what happened, I mean, outside of the, you know, the personal issues with Ferguson, the reason why I'm so I'm so torn on or not really torn, the reason why I'm so uh I, I want this rebuild to happen right now is just because I don't want players like Dort or Baisley to get comfortable playing with, you know, a, a potential Hall of Famer. You know, Chris Paul's a different type of Hall of Famer. He's a legit guy who will come in and doesn't doesn't I mean you've seen it this year. He he wasn't all about give me the ball, let me run everything. You know, he he would defer to Schroeder bringing up the ball. He'd let, you know, Shea start the offense. He you know, that's just the type of player Chris Paul is, you know, and I I think what happened with Ferguson was a lot of, you know, he played around Russ. He played around PG. He played around I I, I think he had a year when he was with KD like you're not going to have much opportunity to to develop when you're playing with those type of guys, you know, you're, you, you become what you become. I mean, look at Steven Adams, Steven Adams became a product of a certain system playing with KD playing with, uh, uh, Russ where his game stopped developing. I I mean, for somebody who has great touch around the rim, there's no reason why he couldn't be a stretch five. Absolutely. No reason in my mind. I mean, he was shooting, before he started, before he fell off, he was shooting around 70-something percent from the free throw line, you know, and then around the rim, he was, I mean, automatic with a floater. Not many right. seven, not many true seven-footer brute guys are automatic with a floater in the middle of the paint. And so, and that, go ahead. Uh, that that Russ pick and roll, I was just going to throw mm-hmm. that, bro. You remember that? Yeah, that was... it was, that, that's insane. It, it Like, that's, I just, I just feel like the problem was is that Adams got so comfortable in having to be the tough guy in the middle, set hard screens, that's, and then just play around the rim that, you know, his game stopped developing. And that's why I do not want, you know, I don't want that chance of, of them trying to go and get another star and like, well, we got Chris Paul, we're going to be good, let's just go try to find a star and run it back because, you know, you bring that star in, they're going to need the ball and, you know, it, it you might you might lose development from Baisley and Dort and and some of these younger guys where it's like and Shea you know Shea didn't have his best playoffs playoffs I mean granted I think that's his only his second playoffs and first with the Thunder or whatever but there's that potential if if he's not the guy that has to go and do he may just fall off to the side and get his when it comes and you know that's definitely not what we want to see uh, from that trade uh, with Paul George. Uh, uh, Shea's supposed to turn into our next, you know, the next guy for us. And and does he have that? Uh, I don't think so, you know, but I definitely think he's a great second piece to any team uh, moving forward. And so that's why I'm just, it's it's stressful because I think this was the, obviously this was the best year Chris Paul has had injury-wise. Everything, it just fell into place and he led a a Thunder team that should not have made the playoffs to a fifth seed. To a game seven against the Rockets, like it just everything's right there, and then this damn COVID's dead. Like trying to, it's you know, it, a lot of teams are iffy on taking that chance because it's like, well, and and that's a leverage that teams can use. Where the Thunder are going to be trying to leverage, like Chris Paul had his best year. Uh, you know, he, he's he's coming off a, a, a health a healthy year um, where you can he's he, I mean, you've seen the way he played, blah, blah blah. But other teams are definitely using well. With COVID and, and all this stuff, you know, there's a chance that he might not, you know, might not be able to pass protocol or whatever, you know, we, we might not get the full season, off season with him, Blage, Blage, and it's tough, man, and, 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 and all that, but like you were saying, Mark, I think it's Dagonault, Dagonault, 
Right. Like I, I think it. it I heard it pronounced Dag Dagnall, and that's. Yeah, Dagnall. I mean, yeah. It's... Try saying that a couple of times. So. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, I, I I do like the hire. Um, I did I did hear a, a statistic that he's the first, um, first head coach of a G League team to basically get promoted by the actual professional team that they represent. So I do think that's pretty cool, and I think that's that's a testimony to his relationship within that organization, um, with the with the younger players. Uh, I know I've seen Kevin Hervey, which probably a lot of people outside of OKC have no idea who the fuck that is. But, Shout out Kevin Hervey. <laughs> facts. And, you know, and so he, I know he put, um, he tweeted something out talking about great guy. Um, so I damn, I, I definitely am excited about that. I know he was talking about he wants to play more of a pace and space type offense. Yeah. And, and so it, it definitely does look like they're trending in the right direction. Um, but we got it. We got to get CP3 out of there. Got to get Schroeder out of there. And we got to get, um, we got to hopefully find a place for uh, Adams, and and you know I would not in or definitely sign and trade. Hopefully a sign and trade with Gallo, um, and maybe get Adams out of there and just you know, let's. I mean we got all these we got all these draft picks. Why not try to build something up? Um, I know they're heavy on a few guys moving forward, like Cade Cunningham and stuff. You know they're they're not uh-huh. essentially trying to tank, but uh, nobody in the professional world really uses that, but. Let's be real. There's a potential right. if the there's a potential for a life or a uh, uh, organization changing player, uh, you probably go for him. And so it'll be interesting. But well, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk Chris Paul trades. You know, uh, I know there's there's quite a bit swirling. There's a there's a lot going on with that. But uh, go ahead and I'll let you start off. What what's some of the ones that you Let's start off with some of the ones you've heard, and then we'll talk about some of our favorite ones, maybe. Yeah, so the the Phoenix one that mm-hmm. is kind of circulating this week with Ubre Rubio, maybe a pick, uh, you know, if it's just Paul straight up, is really interesting to me because they kind of fits his, you know, he liked. I think he wanted. To, I think he would like playing with Devin Booker, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that kid's a generational talent. Yeah. Um, DeAndre is not a slouch, you know. Uh, that that just seems like a super athletic team that he could be a part of. But at the same time, does he want to go to Phoenix? I don't know. You know, yeah. I feel like Chris Paul maybe want to be a little bit closer to home, Los Angeles. Uh, but at the same time, I read reports about him not wanting to play at the Lakers. So could we see Chris Paul and Ty Lue team up? That's kind of an interesting little uh duo like Ty Lue coaching the Clippers now it kind of you know he was a maybe had the same role as Chris Paul type thing maybe those two you know can connect uh you know him playing with Kawhi and Paul George that would be interesting so the other one that would be something that I would like more that probably wouldn't happen because he's already played with this coach would be Chris Paul to Philadelphia Mm mm-hmm you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I think that would be cool, but we because we could get back like Josh Richardson is a good shooting guard. He's from he's actually from my hometown, and so that would be a cool little you know coming home deal for him. He's a he's a really good player, but they could throw in Tobias Harris. They could throw in Al Horford. You know, there's so, you know you could so many options, bro, but. He's been linked to so many teams. I just don't know 
which which way it's gonna go. Yeah, and 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 that's uh interesting. I I do like the thought of potentially grabbing. Um, so with with the Chris Paul trade, you know, I think the reason why I don't think LKC has a problem getting him or getting you know finding a trade is because they're not lo- they're not necessarily looking for elite level talent if that makes sense you know that Tobias Harris that makes the contracts work and whatnot but I think Tobias Harris is good enough to where he makes you a mid type team with with I mean if you add Shea Tobias Dort assuming he plays the way he does Baisley plays the way he does and for some reason and you know we can't get rid of Schroeder Adams that's still not a bad team and you know that puts you in mid lottery doesn't really give you that I mean, I know there's been a lot of guys found in the mid lottery, but it doesn't give you that chance to go get your absolute guy um, if you're if you're a mid level team. And I I don't think the, I don't think OKC want to be any part of potentially grabbing an eighth, ninth, tenth spot in the West. You know, I think I with how tough the West is moving forward. I mean, to me, it's it's eleven, twelve. You know, you want to be bottom of the barrel, and so I think a lot of what. OKC is looking for, you know, like you said, like maybe a Josh Richardson, but you know, by the time, by the time OKC might be good again, he probably, I think he'll be like 30, 31. Right. So it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough wanting, wanting that back, but you know, they, they do have, they do have, uh, the, I mean, but Josh Richardson's also a piece where you grab him, you could definitely move him for something else, you know, some smaller piece. Yeah. And so, I, I do think it's interesting, you know, and, and you named the Phoenix one. Uh, I know that's one's been circulating a lot more, um, and it's been. I know, I know, Chris Paul's been linked to the Bucks, uh, like you uh-huh. mentioned, the Clippers. Um, I, I think, I think the one that is most likely, if anything, is definitely the trade to the uh, Suns. Um, Chris Paul has two years left on his deal, and I think the uh, after this season upcoming season it'll be like a player option type deal where he can I guess move on move forward or whatever and so I think it I like this one mainly because I think the Phoenix Suns are in a place I mean basically all they would be doing and and I'll go ahead and I'm on NBA trade machine right now Uh, I don't know if you want to hop on or whatever but I am on so if I go to Phoenix I have Phoenix I think you know I don't think I mean OKC is gonna obviously you're gonna have to trade Ricky Rubio, um, Ubre is attached to that, but you're taking. I don't the number ten pick will be out of question that's for sure. I don't think they get that, but you get a future you'll get a future pick from the Suns, which I want you know I would want twenty three twenty four, you know maybe twenty five um, one of those first rounders. I'm sure it'll have some type of protection, but. I mean, this Suns team went, what, 8-0 in the bubble, and you would be replacing basically Rubio for Chris Paul because Oubre wasn't in the bubble, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think Oubre played in the bubble or he was hurt or something like that. So you went 8-0 without Oubre, uh, and then you would be trading Rubio for Chris Paul. I, 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 To me, that's most realistic because I think the Suns want to just get in the playoffs. You know, they've been out of the playoffs for so many times. You know, you get the, all this hype around your 8-0. It's like, I mean... What wouldn't make that you know? What wouldn't make that a good a good fit by trading Rubio? I mean, any team would put Chris Paul over Rubio. All right. Let me ask you about this. What do you think? I'm reading this on the trade machine right now. They got Ubre, Rubio, and then the 
first round pick this year, tenth pick. So I think that's have, good, but we would. I think we'd have to send them, which right. I, I wouldn't. We'd have to give them two second rounders though, and then a first round. So it's kind of like. I mean, potentially two. I think I, we might even have to give them uh, this year's uh, this year's uh, first round. So we like we would swap first swap first rounds this year, um, just because. Because I think what do we have this year? I, I wish it would. It's the. Is, I think is it the is it the. It's not the twenty. Uh, that's last year's pick. Let me see. I, I know it's Denver's pick, but I don't know the number. But oh my, it might be the twenty fifth. Oh, that's what it is. The twenty fifth pick. Yeah, that's that what we it got is. for Jeremy Grant. Yeah. So you know, I I don't know how enticing this that number ten is pick is for the Phoenix Suns just because they are at a point where they can also be like, well, look, he's 35. There's a chance for him to leave us next year. Like as much as we want to make the playoffs this year and hope we can retain him after that, there's no, you know, we can't give up, you know, we can't give up a point, uh, a, a point guard that's going to be with us for sure. Um, give you a young, a younger player. I think Ubre's probably 27 ish. If I had to guess, uh, Oh, oh my God. Ubre's only 24. Wow. I did not know that. I, for some reason, thought he was up up there in age, but but what I'm saying with that tenth tenth pick is I don't know if that's reasonable just just because you know that's a potential they could potentially use that to even pair with um with Devin Booker, Aiton, some you know some of these good players. So and I if I'm the Thunder, I don't know if I want the tenth pick in this draft. You know I I remember I remember hearing something about the last time the draft was as pitiful as this year's is. You know and and granted that that. That's all relative to just the fact that there was no college basketball, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. But the last time, this is when they found uh, Steven Adams at the, I think, 12th or 13th or 14th spot, something yep. like that. And so there was there was some rumors about potentially, you know, needing or wanting that, wanting that 10th pick because of the potential to find somebody like a Steven Adams steal type deal. And so it is intriguing. But I, I, to me, this just this is the only trade that makes sense um, for both sides. Uh, you you know, OKC will get a veteran guard who you know you don't really hear much of. I mean, you might be able to move him even. I mean, if 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 for some reason the Lakers don't get the Lakers don't get Rondo back, they don't get any good point guards or anything throughout the. They don't make no crazy trades. I mean, I'm sure you could find some asset in in. LA for for a Rubio swap or something like that. You know, I I, I think it's just, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I, I just think that's the most reasonable trade out there right now is for Chris Paul. And he I mean he'll spend one more year. If he can take if he can go from taking that Thunder team to to the playoffs to a non playoff team to the playoffs back to back years and he can stay healthy. I mean he would have he would have the option to go anywhere he wanted that next year and still be able to make a solid amount of money. I mean, a three-year, sixty million, he'd be able to make twenty million for the next blase blase years until he retires. I, I, I just think that's the most reasonable one. Um, right, and when you're looking at uh, what trades, like you know, are we getting the same value back that we're given? And it's like that type that makes most sense for both teams. I feel like mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It. It uh, that would give Chris Paul a chance to play with a superstar mm-hmm. and a coach that will probably listen to a lot of his input. Monty Williams, man, is is I used to love anytime <laughs> he's got a team, I'm I'm paying attention to what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. But another 
popping stuff in the trade machine. Here's one that would never happen. Uh, Bradley Beal and Bertans for Chris Paul. And then he just withers away in Washington <laughs> and never gets never gets uh, to be on a contender again. But, bro, there's – I mean, who knows, man? Like, what are we, you know, going to do if the season comes and we don't get a trade? And he's yeah. just – I don't know what that's going to be like, so – yeah, no, I feel you, and it it it's it is worrisome just because, like I said, I, I I'm nervous about the I'm nervous about losing that value that we created through him. But I I mean I trust you know in Presty we trust as we always say. Yeah. Um, I I I do think that they'll find a deal, and you know it. I don't think it'll be as glamorous as we think it is, as as we hoped as we hope it is, you know. But I definitely think I mean we'll still get value. I mean look what Sam Presty did. I mean granted Harden wanted. Harden wanted Russ, you know, and Russ wanted out, uh, or to, you know, he didn't really want out of the situation. He just, you know, he wanted to try something new. Um, and, and for a Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook swap, and then two or three picks along with that, I mean, there's no way Sam Presti should have pulled that off, but he did. And so I'm sure he'll find a way. Uh, let's move on to Adams. Uh, we'll just discuss a little bit. I, Realistically, there's no there's nobody that wants Adams' contract, unfortunately. Right. Um, but one place that I was very very intrigued by is is the Celtics. Um, I, and there's there hasn't been no talks or anything, but I've just always thought that the Celtics would be a a solid solid fit for for uh Chris, uh, Chris Paul um, <laughs> Stephen Adams, and I just love the thought of getting. Getting getting Stephen Adams back with uh, the stash bro, Enos Cantor, right. <laughs> and then just you know him kind of being in a role where he can you know they don't need a stretch five you know they don't need a uh, a guy like that you know they can they can rotate in the East you can you know you can live with some bigs and and you can play you don't have to play small ball every night stuff like that so. I love the thought of that. Realistically, I mean, I'll I'll definitely let you go. I just don't think I don't think there's anything for. I don't think there's anything the Thunder can do to get rid of Stephen Adams. But that would be my only, you know, because I definitely want Stephen Adams to. I want Stephen Adams to thrive somewhere, but I, you know, outside of that, I really can't think of a spot where he would, he would go or or a team that wants his contract. You know, what do you got? Right, man, because. We, I think we were talking about this Friday or Saturday night, like the, the the way the East basketball is kind of played now, it's slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of that pick and roll. Let's see kind of how we can slow the game down and dump it down low, maybe, you know, switch the floor. You Kind of that boring style basketball, but it, to me, that's I like that. I yeah. like both styles. Uh, the funniest thing on the trade machine, though, is – as I'm looking at Jalen Brown, four years, twenty-two million. Mm-hmm. Steven Adams, one year, twenty-seven million, bro. Like, that's I. I don't know if Jalen Brown would ever want to come to Oklahoma, but you know, think about a team where you have Shea, Dort, Jalen. Uh, you could throw Baisley there at the four. Mm-hmm. We'll figure out the rest later. Um, yeah. that would be. That would be such a. I feel like that's such a Presty move too. Like, not that I'm anywhere near as smart as Presty, but like Jalen Brown is a athletic 
you know, six six wingspan, out jump out the gym type, you know, guy who's athletic and, um, you know, he's a good hooper. And that's that's kind of like I, I agree with you. I don't think Stephen Adams. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to want to take on that contract for a guy that's given you ten points and uh, ten. I mean, he can he can get the rebounds. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not hating on Stephen Adams out here, but. Twenty-seven million is a lot of money mm-hmm. for um, a guy that's probably hit his ceiling. I think we talked about that too, right? Like his, yeah. his what? What else? You know, is what else can he do? So yeah, and and that's the thing with with Adams. You know, this is all just you know, this is a lot of just because of this is what this is the Adams we've seen, and that's why I just I want him to get away because I think Adams is is just he he's OKC. You know, he he's He's their big guy who just hustles and, and you know he doesn't doesn't try to score doesn't but that you know this OKC this new OKC era is gonna is gonna need it, I mean potentially wants him to become a uh, an elite you know not an elite scorer but a, a guy that can stretch the floor a little bit knock down the mid range knock down maybe a couple threes here and there like but I think just Stephen Adams the type of guy he is he just he's like I don't I don't want the ball I just want to play hard play defense set screens and you know and I, I think you know you get them with a different coach a different system a different feel a different arena now, that may all change but yeah it is it is I think it's impossible for Adams uh and you know Dennis Schroeder we'll, we'll touch a little bit on him just because his name's not circulating too much uh I do know they're trying to find trades for him but I don't think it'll be anything like I mean it won't be no blockbuster trade you know we might get might be able to get a first rounder um an early first rounder maybe mid mid uh Mid round, uh, first round for Schroeder, who you know got ro- to me got robbed of the six man, but it is what uh, it is. And... Bro, there's no way yeah. that Montrez Harrell is winning a six man over Dennis Schroeder. And if we could, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I promise you, his were not as good as Schroeder's. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree, but I mean, you know, oh, he, he had a he had a terrific year. Uh, I wish he would have had that same year the previous year, but. It is what it is, um, right. and and I think his value is at at an all time high for right now as well. Um, you know, it, it'll just be interesting moving forward to see where Chris Paul lands. And and you know, I, I was hearing a little something about with Mark with Coach Mark coming in. Um, you know, and Chris Paul obviously is going to want to go to a contender for the most part. You know, I mean, uh-huh. Presti's the type of guy who definitely works with his stars, works with guys who that he that were loyal to him. Um, He's going to be loyal to them and try to find the bet, you know, he's not going to take just any trade, but, you know, if you give him that list, he's going to try to do what he can to get you there. And so, you know, I think a potential where Chris Paul stays on the team, I think if if a Chris Paul uh, deal can't get done, I, I can see Presti moving Schroeder, um, moving Schroeder, trying to sign and trade for Gallo, you know, and then once Chris Paul sees that now he's got a 35-year coach with with nothing but 23-year-olds and, and Schroeder's gone, Vet Gallo's gone, you know, maybe they find a place for Adams for dirt cheap. Um, Chris Paul's not going to want to stick around. And then from there, you know, he'll take essentially whatever trade he can get to go and try to compete once he figures out that this team may only win 20, 25 games, no matter how much, how crazy he plays. So it'll definitely be interesting to see, man. And, and I'm excited for this new era. You know, it, it's, it's going to be a tough three or four years moving forward um but with all the assets and stuff that that we've gained i think i think it's going to be fun to watch and and hope these guys develop man and then 
It is what it is. Bro, we're going to be just chilling for the now until 2026 with all these draft picks. Just like, all right, another first rounder. You know, so I mean, it is going to be trying, but um, I I don't know. I've just never been a person that thinks Sam Presti is going to, like you're saying, that impressed you we trust, bro. That is such... We 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 live by that around here. I mean, I can't. I mean, I know I do, and I hear a lot of other people say the same thing. But he is the, um, you know, he's almost like just this more bit larger than life figure that kind mm-hmm. of always leads us in the right direction, no matter what, bro. So, effect. <laughs> it, it's interesting for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I, th- I you know, I, I think. I think it'll be it's it's good because this will be the first year you know these next couple of years will be the first year where first years since since you know OKC started becoming relevant that we're not going to be worried about trying to make the playoffs or getting out the first round or or mm-hmm. winning a championship you know we'll be able to sit back and actually relax and enjoy the the development of our young players you know I mean it, it's unfortunate because you imagine I mean Adams Adams did what he had to do and he became. He became what they needed him to become, and and you know that didn't happen for uh, the Deontay Burtons, the 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 Hamadou Diallo, the right. the two K Ferguson, you know. But but there was a lot of pressure on those guys to come in and be automatically great and and make this team better because they're they're a contender, and so. Man, I feel, I feel for Ferg to be yeah. honest. Like it's just kind of one of those things where it's like if I was a Hooper and I was kind of like in a situation where it's that the same thing of the legal trouble and uh just kind of having my my rotation messed with and you know losing kind of his spot to door it just almost makes much more sense to see what he can do somewhere else Mm -hmm. um you know really see because he's got some talent you know he he you know never really showed out too much for us but he would always kind of make sure his you know his name was known on the defensive end so i mean uh, he he did a damn good job the the that first couple of years against harden and and and, and i mean he was he wasn't point, shooting, yeah. he wasn't shooting the ball crazy but i mean 36 37% from ferguson who shot three or four a game you know that's he had value to this team he just unfortunately uh once once things kind of started ra- unraveling in his personal life he just kind of it kind yeah. of his game went with it, and he he didn't really fit into a he didn't really fit in to the uh, the mold of especially this team. He just because he's not really in a he's an aggressive guy who doesn't know how he like he didn't really develop his skill if that makes sense. You know, there was a lot of times where he'd drive the lane and just get stuck. And he's yeah, you're right. Granted, he's athletic as hell, so sometimes his get stuck would he'd be able to bank in shots falling all I mean being above the rim, but. It just it just didn't turn into it, but man, I, I you know I, I with with everything going on in the th- with the Thunder man, it's it's gonna be interesting moving forward. But there's a lot more, man. There's a lot more going on, and I think I think I mean the the one thing that that had Twitter going crazy the other day, we definitely got to discuss and talk about was the implosion of of what makes us very happy as OKC fans is the implosion of, of the Houston Rockets uh, from what we heard and seen. You know, I, I mean, everything's speculation until it happens, but, you know, it seems like P.J. Tucker's unsatisfied. Uh, their, their, heart and, their heart and soul of their team. Um, uh, you know, Austin Rivers was talking that he got bitched at for standing up during a free throw. 
um, by James Harden. You know, Russ apparently wants out, um, which uh, this is this is one thing that I'll say. You know, and I'll definitely let you get get to going or whatever. We'll talk about it. Um, you know, Russ. Russ is definitely the type of guy where you know he wants that he wants to see. He's a creature of habit. I said this in a group chat I was in. He's a creature of habit. Everything for him is ritual. You know, I mean, there was a reason why his his free throw numbers dipped after they made that change where you can't leave the uh, leave the uh, three point arc on your free throws. He used to walk back to half court, walk into his free throws, and knock them down. And, and so when you change that up, I mean, it just showed you he was a creature of habit. You know, and while Russ has Russ has never been the most bright IQ'd basketball player, uh, you know he's always been my favorite player. But it's you know that's the type that's the type of guy he is. And for an organization that you know that had that, and I I'm not too deep on Daryl Morey or or know too much about the whole situation with the Rockets or anything. But for somebody you know I respected Daryl Morey. He made a lot of solid ass moves throughout the times that I was an OKC fan that made them better teams. And I'm sure Russ watching him go down and then, and you know, then then D'Antoni leaves and, and you know, Tillman is the, I, mean, I absolutely hate, I, I despise Tillman. Tillman is the, he is the Bill O'Brien of the Houston Rockets. And and he is, he's the reason why, I mean, the guy has a chance, you know, Harden wanted Russ in there, no debate, right? But if he opens his pocketbooks, goes in the tax, there's no reason why he couldn't get another guy to play with alongside of them. You know, I, I just think that the fact that Tillman was unwilling to take a, you know, take a chance and go in the luxury tax, even for one or two years, because it made hurt his pocketbooks. I, I just, you know, that and and Rockets, you know, most Rockets fans don't agree with a lot of what he's done, you know, and and. And they're they're not oblivious to Tillman being pretty bad at his job or whatever, but I don't know, man. It's it I don't think it's a what I'm trying to get to with Russ wanting to leave. I definitely don't think it's a chemistry issue with him and Harden or him and the other players. I think it's just the the fact that the organization's not steady. It, I mean, the reports came out that you know the culture wasn't set, you know, and the and it wasn't it was an uneasy feeling type stuff like that. But you know, I I think. I think that's the gist of it. I, I definitely don't want to be on record saying that it's because of a certain player or anything like that. I think I think Russell Westbrook's too much of a dog to like let that stuff type bother him. But uh, right, you know, I, I digress, and I'll, I'll let you go ahead and spill your spill. Man, if you, if I'm looking at it from if I'm a player, I always try to look at the player's point of view. Yeah, I, I'm never going to be able to say I hooped in the NBA, but I, you know, being competitive and playing sports and you grow up, you're always, when you watch stuff, you look at it from a competitive point of view. And if I'm Russell Westbrook and, you know, you get traded to a place that you want to go and you got one of your best friends there in James Harden, um, you know, an offense that looks like it's going to be, you know, they, they shelled out and got rid of Capella, you know, and kind of switched up their whole, their culture there to make it small ball. And then, you know, we get fast forward to like seven months, eight months, not even really a whole calendar year. They get rid of Dan Tony. They, you know, get rid of the GM, like all this different stuff happens. So if I'm Russell Westbrook, I'm like, what, you know, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what are we doing? And I like what you're just talking about with, uh, 
it's not so much he doesn't want to play with James Harden. I think it's the fact that he, okay, look at what he did at Oklahoma City in the role that they used him in. It was high usage. It was all in his hands. It was him making plays. Uh, if there was a busted play, he was going to do it. Like, he he was, even the plays that he wasn't in, he was a part of, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he was in every, uh, he was in more of an assertive role, and I'm pretty sure you're talking about him being that dog, you know, if, if I'm getting on the court, and I get to just sit there and watch James Harden dribble, 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 cross over, pull up a three. Like, you know, uh, I'm not saying maybe he probably didn't hate it, but I wouldn't, you know, Russ needs to initiate the offense. He needs the ball in his hand. He needs some, like you're talking about routine. I like, he is a creature of habit. He's, uh, you know, it's interesting because I hear frustrated Rockets fans and I kind of I pulled up some of his like his playoff stats just for uh, like end of 2017 this bro he he was and I know you remember because you know we all kind of remember the triple double thing right like year that he was just putting out these triple doubles left and right like here it's showing he had a 51-point triple-double versus Houston back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Only player to record the 50-point triple-double. Like, we can keep going on and on, and he's just got these stat lines that are outrageous. But uh, I guess the point is, is where could he go to get more involved and kind of have more say in what's going on? Because Russ is a guy that he likes to he'll tell you how it is. He's mm-hmm. not going to hold not gonna hold nothing back bro like are you kidding me um and that's that's the that's what you get with russell though it's a love it's i, I always said it's a love-hate relationship bro i sit there i'd be yelling at the tv like what you know cussing out the tv like russ what are you doing and then the next minute he banks in a you know a game winner from half court yep. type thing so it's I, a i've always box office yeah I, i've always said to me russ is is a is a very hot pizza that you can't wait to devour. You know, you 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 take that first bite you're like fuck man, f the fuck this pizza, it's hot as shit. But when it you know when it when it settles in, you start biting into that pizza. You're like, bro, I, f- I fucking love this pizza. This za is going crazy. This is that fire, bro. Yeah, bro, it's it's that heater. It's it's you know I I I think that that's kind of always how I've thought of it. And it's funny, you know, it's funny to. It's funny because I am the exact opposite of Russ. You know, the way I play basketball and and the reason why I was able to, you know, kind of do some things in, in college, not co- not collegiate basketball, but uh, like tournaments and stuff for our club team um, was a lot of because I could, I could shoot from anywhere and I always had and I could make any play on the court uh, IQ wise. Um, I was I was not athletic. I'm not the most athletic guy, you know, but I know how to get to my spots. I know how to. You know, I can finesse my way into getting some rebounds, stuff like that. You know, and that's the exact opposite of Russ. Russ is a dominant species of a human who, you know, who goes. It's, so it's kind of funny that, that he's such my favorite player. But one thing that I will say is, and I, I've seen a lot from Rockets fans and stuff. And, and I called this. I, I Once the trade happened, you know, I have a group for a message with my friends who some of them are Rockets fans. I have a Heat friend, uh, a friend that's a Heat fan. And we were all talking about, I was like, this is the worst thing that could have happened to Russ because no matter what happens, it's going to benefit Harden. 
Man, if, come on. If Harden, you know, they get to the second round, it's like, oh, see, Harden got him to the second round. Uh, they lose in the first round. It all falls on Russia's shoulders, you know. And I, I said, I was like, Rockets fans, you know, the 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 what are they? The the media, the social media accounts and stuff. The the ones that follow the team, they were all. They hated Russ. I mean, they hated him for winning MVP in 2017 just because of triple doubles. But then they, you know, he got traded and all of a sudden they fell in love with him, Blase, Blase. And then, you know, as soon as as soon as things got, you know, as soon as things come out that he doesn't want to be a part of the team, they go they go back to bashing him and all this stuff. But I'll say this. The the downfall of the Rockets doesn't lay on Russ's hands. It's 100% on Harden's hands. Harden wanted this trade. Right. And then from there, the Rockets made some very dumb trades. There's no reason why the uh, to me okay or uh okay see uh Houston should have never got rid of Capella. You can say it's because of spacing and the way the Rockets played the 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 three-point shot, but Russ's most dominant years is whenever he was running pick and rolls with Kevin Durant or with Steven Adams. Steven Adams can't shoot. Right, bro. I mean, you took away, you know, you took away his 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 lob man, I, and he's not throwing lobs to PJ Tucker. He's not throwing lobs to James Harden. He's not, you know, and that's why I just never, I you, never understood you, that move. Do you remember watching Clint Capella and Russ in the beginning when their record they started off they started off pretty hot, and you know they he was able to kind of uh, oh wait did it. Yeah, that I do remember. They didn't play together too much because of injuries and stuff. Mm-hmm. But whenever they did, it looked like it was something that could work. And I liked, I like what you're saying about not getting rid of Capella. He was a, he was almost kind of like the, I don't want to say he's like Stephen Adams, but he's he's super like, like slanky and kind of. Yeah. He was kinda, ner- he was Nerlens Noel. Right, he he could get his Jimmy he could get Grant. His, he could get his rebounds. Yeah. He was able to to kind of get up there and just if you need the offensive board, he's gonna put that thing back in there. Like he was a good all around guy, and they kind of got rid of him. And you know, it's it's interesting because uh, I never was. I mean, I don't like the massive like sh- let's shoot a bunch of threes. Let's you know run down the court bust a three because if we shoot more maybe we'll make more i just never i don't know that's not the type of basketball i like watching but i'm not a head coach so yeah i just it just to me it just you know it it didn't people and people want to say uh well russ can't shoot so they need to space the floor even more but to me it's like look i understand james harden got double teamed at half court how do you how do you you know especially against nba players how do you not go and and how do you not like how do you not give up the ball when you're getting double teamed against NBA players? You know, right. but during the playoffs and whatnot, you know, you've seen them put a six three, six four point guard at the high post. And they would just, you know, they would they would they would James Harden get double team and they would insert the ball. But you know, Russ turns around, he's staring at a seven footer. They have nobody that he can attack the rim and throw a lob to. All they have is shooting from there. But in the, now, not only is he worried about the seven-footer in front of him, he, if he kicks it out, he's got to hope that the wings knock it down, which they didn't shoot as well as they did during the regular season. And then he also has to worry about um, the, the guards from that were trapping Harden diving down on the ball. So it's like, like how 
how do you try to tell a 6-3, 6-4 point? There's a reason why when Jokic or or Porzingis or LeBron catches it at the at that uh, free throw line, there's a reason why they make plays because they're 6-8 and above. <laughs> That's why I, Rockets fans were, well, he can't attack a 4-on-3. It's not about attacking a 4-on-3. When you have a true 7-footer like an Anthony Davis or or a Jokic, you know, Jokic not being the best defender, but, you know, you have Rudy Gobert, you, you have these guys who are long in the middle, and, like, how do you, what do you, do you want him just to, it, like, is he supposed to go and dunk over seven-footers every time? No. And then, you know, right. if, in, in I, and maybe I'm off, but I vividly remember when Russ would bring the ball up and, and you know, Harden was engaged in the plays, that's when they were playing their best basketball. And, and Russ's best basketball during the season was when Russ or Harden was playing like absolute dog shit. I mean, Harden had a month and a half stretch where he was shooting like 20% from three, 40% from the field. Like he had a dog shit month and a half. And you know who kept him afloat was Russ. But it was because they staggered their minutes and Russ was attacking, kicking out, kicking out, kicking out. And, and then, I like that yeah. a lot better than... Uh, than you know, him and Harden trying to make, like, staggering the minutes is the smartest thing to do because then you let Russ be more of himself, you know what I mean? Like, uh, the weird thing is is that he catches all that heat for everything that Harden does. It's like, why is is it so easy to to be so quick to just say, well, it's Russ's fault because, you know. Well, I'll tell you why. It's Scapegoat City, baby. Right. And he's become this scapegoat for, shoot, I mean, I I hate to say, like, I saw it coming with Houston, but, man, Harden tried with Dwight Howard, tried with Chris Paul, tried with, you know, Russ, and then people on the other end will be like, well, Russ tried it with Durant, and, uh, you know, tried it with Paul George, didn't work, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean... Has Harden gone to the NBA Finals anytime soon? I don't know, but I mean, yeah, I can't. <laughs> right, and so Russ, even if that year in 2012 when we went to the Finals, you know, Russ, he, we wouldn't be, I mean, yeah, Kevin Durant is a is an awesome superstar, all everything type player, but you don't get there without Russ. Mm-hmm. I, could make, I could make an argument. That maybe we could have gotten there without James Harden, but uh, probably not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, but but let's be fair. The reason why Harden is now a Rocket is because he didn't perform in the finals. Right. And so it's, I mean, and we've seen it time. A no and, show. and we've seen it time and time again, especially in those Spurs series where James Harden did, doesn't show up. And my biggest, my and, and I love James Harden. I you know I the guy he you know he for as much as much as he could be like a very arrogant cocky guy like you don't hear much about him being that type of guy which I respect you know because if I was an automatic bucket and and like (laughs) knew nobody could stay in front of me I couldn't imagine how much like you know how much shit I would talk you know and and, yeah and so I kind of you know I respect Harden it's just it's it's you know and and for people and there's a huge misconception that players get better after leaving Russ KD won an MVP playing with Russ Paul George was in the top three conversation for MVP playing with Russ. Victor Oladipo on. is on record crediting that his his newfound game and in, in work ethic was watching Russ play the way he does every day, the way he works at practice every day, and then he goes and then becomes an all uh, an, an all-star. 
in Indiana. And so, you know, while maybe the fit doesn't work all the time with with Russ, and and Russ does have, and I'm on record saying it, and I'll say it, you know, I, I, I... I say a lot of dumb shit backing up Russ just because he's my favorite player, but I'll admit he's probably the lowest IQ player I've I've seen in a long time. But it is weird that part. That part always baffles me. Not to yeah. cut you off, but no, he, it's like he, it's almost like he plays like he's so emotional. You know that, mm-hmm. I, bro. I always remember growing up, and you have that guy on your squad that is just so amped up, so geeked, ready to go. He's just like mm-hmm. running around like a crazy person, and you're like, "Yo, reel it in, bro! Like, what's the deal?" And and I. Sometimes I wonder if Russ just gets so caught up and he just has that mentality, I want to go kill whoever tonight, and he kind of just maybe gets lost or it is the low basketball IQ. But that part always that always made me scratch my head. Like, why? What, what is it about him that makes him kind of do these boneheaded things? Uh, that, I, I, that just popped out to me when you started saying that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I mean, you know, a lot of it comes from – who do you want take? I mean, 2016, 2017, the year, the, the year they got Victor Oladipo, the guy that Kevin Durant wanted before he left. They right. got Victor Oladipo. So first year between Victor Oladipo, who was not really established yet, he was playing with the Magic, playing it very inconsistent. They picked, they got Oladipo. So it's his first year playing with Russ. Russ, rest of his teammates was Alex Abrinas, who was I, I think was a rookie that year, Stephen Adams, uh, Norris Cole, Nick Collison, like Jeremy Sabonis. Grant, Sabonis, like Doug McDermott, like Andre Roberson. Who who's gonna take those shots? Who do you want taking those shots? That's a good point. Like I I mean yeah, Russ can drive and, and kick out to Roberson for three, miss. <laughs> kick out to Doug McDermott, who who can't put the ball on the ground. They close out hard on Doug McDermott, couldn't put the ball on the ground. Kyle Singler was on that team. Sabonis was the brightest spot as a rookie on that team, outside of Man. outside of uh, outside of uh, you know uh, uh, Stephen Adams. Jeremy Grant wasn't what he was yet. Um, you know it, they had uh, uh, what's his name uh, Cameron Payne who wasn't good. Anthony Morrow couldn't guard me or you. That, so you know that year he goes into a year, averages a triple double, does what he has to do. Takes that sorry, sorry team, plays against the Rockets. Rockets obviously win because that team's not good. And, you know, but whatever. So then when you fast forward to the next year, what I, I think that, what, that's the year, that's the first year uh, Paul George is there, right? Yeah, so then uh, that's when, yeah, VO got shipped off to, to Indiana. Yeah, the Paul George trade. And that, that makes me think of, like, you know how much he elevated PG's game, but you're right; he didn't have anybody with him. Well, listen, before. listen to this team real quick. Listen to this team: Abrinas, Adams, Carmelo Anthony, Corey Brewer, Nick Collison, PJ Dozier, Raymond Felton, Terrence Ferguson, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, Daniel Hamilton, Josh Hustis, Dakari Johnson, Patrick Peterson, or Patrick Patterson, Andre Roberson hurt, so it doesn't count. Kyle Singler, Russell Westbrook. Outside of Paul George getting play outplayed by a third grade math teacher in Joe Ingles, who again, again, who is Russ supposed to defer to? Yeah, I'm not. That's bro, Paul George locking up or Joe Ingles locking up Paul George is one of the funniest things I ever. Uh, but that's that's. I mean, you just listed the names of like. I don't Almost, think any of those guys, guys are in the league. <laughs> right. I'm just thinking of like, 
who the hell would even want any of these guys on their team? But none of them are any type of contributors. They're almost it's almost like third, fourth string type dudes because we shelled out for Mello and uh, Paul George. But yeah, bro, like who who else is supposed to take those? Am I letting Kyle Singler pull up from thirty? No, I'm not really <laughs> trusting uh, him or freaking. Did you say Norris Cole, bro? You're th- like just. There are so many names that aren't even relevant now that I just think like rusted so much more with less than anybody I've ever seen play. Exactly. I mean, listen to this. This is the 2017-2018 um, team that they are. Uh, t- yeah, the Jazz team that they lost to in the first round. Tony Bradley, rookie, don't count him. Alec Burks, uh, up and down career, not the best, whatever. Jay right. Crowder, Dante Exum, eh, again. Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, Rodney Hood, Joe Ingles, Jonas Yurebko, a consummate pro, Joe Johnson, Eric McCree, don't worry about him, Donovan Mitchell, rookie year, and and, mm-hmm. uh, and played out of his mind, got to give him credit, Raul Neto, Neto Georges Nying, Royce O'Neal, rookie, played pretty solid, Ricky Rubio, Cephalosha, uh, you know, and, and close out the last three, doesn't really matter, but, you know, that team is better put together, <laughs> Then that's that's wild, dude. Because I don't, I really rarely think about that year where he had just like you know it was basically like Paul George and uh, lost Melo and Melo's my guy. I love Melo yeah. so much. I'm so happy he's on Portland. But mm-hmm. you know, not get away from the point. But just that that like you're saying, it's almost like it feels like Presty didn't even put that team together. Exactly. I mean, they they were they were they tried to make moves. You know, and that's the bad thing about OKC, you know, it, it, about being such a small market and also being in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that extra, you know, you're probably not going to get that 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 good vet. You know, you're not going to grab a P.J. Tucker. A P.J. Tucker's not going to want to go live in Oklahoma unless that's his only option, you know. But like yeah, these guys, like Rodney Hood and, and, and the Jonas Yurebkos, the Joe Johnsons on the on the on these last bit of contracts, Dabo Cephalosha, you know. These guys, I mean, yeah, we got Corey Brewer, but Brewer wasn't getting a job anywhere else. Uh, those guys you just listed are like good vets. Like we tried getting Joe Johnson for a while, and that dude did not want to come to Oklahoma. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's that is the down the downside of being in Oklahoma City is that you're in Oklahoma City. You know, like uh, if if you're not trying, you know, some people players probably want to have that nightlife and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, there's stuff to do around here, but it's it's a little bit more chill. You know what I mean? It's laid back. Yeah. And and like like I'm trying to, you know, I, like I you can't tell me that on paper outside of, you know, you see Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, but the rest of those guys are not better, are not a better team than what the Jazz put out. That, yeah, that's, that's, and to your point, that's wild that, uh, you just kind of listed like Joe Johnson, Jonas Jarebko. Like I, I love that you said he was a consummate pro. Like those are the types of guys that you know that that's kind of what we're, you're looking for in a good squad. But that that just blows my mind that uh, that we couldn't get any more talent than mm-hmm. than and just put around them, <laughs> give them something. Like what's he supposed to do, man? Yeah. I mean, and it's not even you know it's not even in in and that's in, in you know and I, 
I hate having that conversation with people because, yeah, you shouldn't let a, a rookie Donovan Mitchell beat you. But to be fair, Donovan Mitchell played three or four years at Louisville. You know, he was able, able to develop his game. He didn't come in as a true rookie, rookie year or playing one year in college type guy. You know what I'm saying? It's a guy who was able to develop his game. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I want to, I don't even know if he spent all four years at Louisville. He may have started off lower than that and worked his way up. I mean, which shout out to him. He played out of his mind. I can't, right. not, not to any Anyone discredit. Anyone dropping 45 in a playoff series, like, that's, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's going to be a all-star, exactly. a but, superstar. Yeah, and then outside of that, that Jazz team had been together for a little bit. They were always missing that scorer, that guy, and they got it with their rookie. They got it right with their rookie that year. And... Uh-huh. I mean, even moving forward to the next, and that you know that was Paul George, Carmelo, Carmelo, and, and Russ's first year playing together. Injuries happened, made that team almost you know. I mean, they were playing their best basketball when Roberson was available. Roberson gets hurt, everything yeah. changes. Um, and then you know you move forward to 2018, 2019. You lose out, you lose uh, Carmelo. Obviously, you roll out a team of Alex Abrines, who in and out, in and out, personal issues. Steven Adams, Deontay Burton, Tyler Davis, Hamadou Diallo, Jawan Evans, Raymond Felton, Terrence Ferguson, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, uh, TLC, Dante Graham, N- Markeith Morris, late edition, Abdel Nader, uh, Nerlens Noel, Patrick Patterson, Dennis Schroeder, Russell Westbrook. Cool. That's that's, a- dude, that's better than... That's way better in 2017. For sure. You hear the, and you know, you're like, okay, that's a good team. But now you get, now you match up against the 2018, 2019 Trailblazers who had already been pretty, you know, they, that team's been together for a while. You get Al Farouk Aminu, better than outside of Paul George and, and uh, Russell Westbrook. I would take him as a wing for us any day of the week. Uh, Zach Collins came in first year, played amazing. Seth Curry. A great shooter, a great score off the bench. Mo Harkless, another consummate pro. Rodney Hood, who found his way in Portland. Ennis Cancer, who I mean, we got rid of him, so can't be upset about that. Uh, Jake Lehman, who did what he, eh, whatever. He's not really worried. Myers Leonard, eh, not really worried. Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, a great center. Uh, Nick Stauskas, Caleb Swanigan, Gary Trent, Evan Turner, like those. To me, you can't tell me that that Portland Trailblazers roster was not better than OKC. Right, that, that you just listed like you didn't even name anybody that like I can't name one of those guys that I would say eh, I don't know because even like Zach Collins who's that's actually I would dude I would love a Zach Collins in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City you know what I mean like there's not Evan Turner you know he's kind of on the latter half of his career he's yeah. still a good basketball player Aminu really athletic like you just keep going Seth Curry are you kidding me like. He, you know, that's another one that kind of makes me wonder. And that, that, to your point, that makes me think that maybe that year in 2017 was just one of those outliers. Because that just, I don't, I don't know if that would ever happen again, man. Because as much as that year was terrible, you just look at the next year. Uh, Marcus Morris is such a good, that's such a good, like, last man on the bench type person mm-hmm. to have you know what I mean like not gonna go wrong with that but yeah. that Portland team really that Portland team did to us what you know it's funny because we just lost to Houston but it feels like Houston really lost to us type deal yeah like what did they you know they it, it it's funny bro because yeah. they are having to blow up everything and they you know barely were able to 
get past you know, and a, re, a rebuild squad. Yeah. And I've been I've been on record, and I told all my friends, this is the first year, because, you know, a lot of my friends expected once they lost Russell Westbrook, all that they just, nobody knew the names that were on the on OKC. As I started figuring out, learning about them, you know, I was, and I know we, keep, we said we're done talking about OKC, but a lot of what I was about to say, it ties into the Rockets, is that this was the first year since KD left, and, you know, that year, that 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 2016 year, where we let them uh, Warriors come back, that team wasn't a complete team. We just had two great stars. This was the first year that OKC has been a complete team. They had their six man off the bench. They had two or three good rotation guys. They had a stretch. You know, they had that 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 power forward, small forward stretch figure in uh, Gallo. They had their big man in Adams. They had a great point guard in Chris Paul. A great two guard, which could also play point guard in Shea. And then they got contribu- uh, contributions from Dort and Baisley. But those guys play or are, you know, they, they had their defensive guy in um, Dort. Baisley just, you know, Baisley came into his own, which we can't really expect. But this was, an, this was a complete team. And so that's why I said, like, this is the first year OKC has been a complete team since, you know, KD, Russ were the, there. And that's why I just, you know, I, I've always hated the, the criticism that Russ has got because he's never played on a complete team. And each team since KD's left has been different. That's a good point. Let's like let's just switch out Russ and Chris Paul for a sec, even though, you know, that's we're just playing around, but look at what you would have around him as opposed to, you know, like Russ would be able to do a lot if he was working with, you know, Ashe, Dort, Gallo, mm-hmm. all those types of players. Like, you're right, OKC really since since that era had a really all around uh, good dynamic group so um, I think it's interesting because you go from that to let's blow it up and see what happens but you couldn't really ask for a better year man and and it'll just be one of those things that we're just kind of like we'll just see what happens and you know hopefully we'll have some upsets type thing but uh the, the scapegoat talk is really interesting. Like, I've, I've been thinking for a minute, like, kind of like, you know, Russell just really is kind of one of these dudes that just didn't get, he's not going to get a fair shake. I don't know if he's going to be able to go anywhere and be yeah. able to to make it happen. Well, so. the only, yeah, the only way he saves face is if he can, you know, end up in the finals again and playing at a, a level, which is very unfair. And, and you know, this isn't, I, this isn't me trying to, you know, be biased towards Russ. It Russ has definitely had his faults. I mean, the guy can't shoot. He doesn't work on it. Um, I, I I've said it. I've said it before. There's a lot difference between playing pickup basketball and actually playing in a game. Um, and mm. Russ doesn't really. Russ's mechanics and everything changes when he gets into a game. Um, I mean, as somebody who like loves, I love shooting the basketball. I, I you know, I, I mean, people who know me know that's what I do. And for me, you know, I watch Russ in pickup games and in the offseason work. He shoots on his way up during those. When he gets into the game, he holds it and tries to out-jump people. That's, you know, it, everything about his game kind of changes whenever he plays in that. And and I still love the guy to death when it comes to basketball, blase, blase. But what I'm trying to get to is, is, is unfortunately, you know, in this Rockets situation, you know, I, I, I respect the Rockets. I mean, you have to respect a team who – almost went to a complete rebuild and found a way to make it happen and haven't haven't had you know haven't had a bad year in a in a long time so you have to give them credit where it's due but it's hard with the fan it's hard to give them that credit because the fans are so oblivious to the fact that you know 
as much as you may want to admit it, James Harden may be an issue. James Harden may be a problem. And you have to, the, the thing with the, with not, you know, I feel like everybody holds their stars to a certain standard. Uh, and maybe, that may, and that's the thing too, is I think, I think it's not fair because I think Russell Westbrook fans hold Russell Westbrook accountable. Like he can't be turning the ball over like that. He can't be doing this. He can't be doing that. Like, I, I mean, you know, I've, for the most part, I've seen people try to hold Russell accountable, but people won't hold Harden accountable. They'll find a way to, well, well you know, if, if Russ can't attack a four-on-three, then how is this team supposed to be good? And it's like, well, if James Harden could be engaged in the play and let Russ bring it up, they can't just double-team Harden. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if he's not, if he doesn't have the ball, they're not double-teaming him. You know, if he learned right. how to, if he learned how to play off ball, and I, I don't know, man, the, the Rockets organization is turning to dumpster fire, which for us OKC fans, that is amazing considering we have future draft picks, future first rounds from them. Man, we fleeced them for everything, and then Russ blew them up from the inside out. It was almost like... He's on his way back. OKC, bring him back. (laughs) Will you go on a secret mission to go to Houston and fuck their entire team up and then just come on back to the 405? All right, deal. We love it, man. We love it. We love it. But yeah, man, I, I just, you know... This this offseason has has I don't know what it's turned into. Uh, there's reports about Victor Oladipo apparently being the worst teammate ever. Um, Man, I saw that. Yeah, I, I mean, could I, you imagine playing with somebody and then they go up to the team after you're done and like, yo, bro, I don't like it here. I want to come play with you. That's I, what the report was saying. Yeah, I I can't imagine. And it, I don't know, man. It's 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 tough to believe because it's like I. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. It's like, that's so disrespectful, bro. Like, the disrespect. Like, uh, (laughs) what is he? He's another one of these guys that's kind of like, maybe he just is trying to, it's almost like he doesn't want to make it work with the team that he's on. Like, almost the type of thing where it's like, he's, he just keeps jumping around and he just is, he's going to be with himself. So it's not like he's going to be able to escape being Victor Oladipo, but like, I just never see him happy with a organization. It feels like he's always got something wrong. Facts, man. And well, let's you know, let's uh, let's go ahead and and I think this has been good good conversation. You know, uh, I know it's a lot heavier OKC, but now we'll get into some listener questions I got, and we'll just dive into those and and just kind of from there we'll shoot the shit a little bit and and knock this out in about 15, 20 minutes. Um, but first question I got from my boy uh, Trey Lorenz at underscore Trey Lorenz. Um, he asked, "How does how does it work in Brooklyn with both KD and Kyrie being ball dominant and a first year head coach?" Um, I'll start off just because I have such a strong opinion. I I want I want KD to come back healthy. Uh, like you were saying, you know, I've kind of gotten over him leaving um, leaving for Golden State just because to me I I just don't give a freak honestly. Like I mean, as much as it sucked, um, as much as it sucked, it, you know, I'm over it. But I. With the guy, with those two guys' personality, and you also have to remember this Brooklyn team has has Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, guys who also need the ball. Um, I I want to hope that you know I want to hope that it'll that they can find a way to make it work. But I've always said you can't win with Kyrie. Kyrie made that Celtics team a lot worse than what they were, um, and we've seen that when they went out. When he went out, they went on a run in the playoffs. Uh, they trade him. They go on an even further run. Uh, into the playoffs, and you know, I I want to I, I want to believe that you know maybe they just love playing together and they'll love playing together and they'll figure it out. And it, I mean, they may go back to kind of how it was in OKC and KD and, and Kyrie are just going to take 
turns isoing the ball and and but being great elite scores they are it may work in the east um but with them from the reports i heard about you know there was a and granted this is you know media is going to take spin it how they want to but there was reports coming out that Kyrie had said something how like we don't really have a a true head head coach like we have you know we have brain power from me from Kevin from Steve uh, and then they brought in Dan Tony like it just you know it it just sounds like it's it's not gonna work and I mean the way it to me to me personally I think it works obviously just because the talent they get into the playoffs but when it comes down to it late games and such I, I just I just don't know if it will work especially with KD coming off Achilles injury uh, what do you think so it makes me giggle when you when you said uh you know, we don't have a, Kyrie saying something like, I could see him saying, we don't have a head coach. We just have, like, some brains working, you know, like some real Kyrie stuff yeah. that he would say. Uh, the two of them, I always think, so for Kyrie, I don't think it's a situation where I, I like the idea of him not being the best player on a squad. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of him running his own squad. Like, say, for example, we look at the Celtics versus... The Cavaliers. That's kind of like what I'm thinking when I think Kyrie and Durant. Um, you know, I know him playing with LeBron was just one of those things where sometimes they'd ISO back and forth, and um, it was kind of like his turn, you know, his turn, my turn type type deal. Where OKC even did that back in the day. But I think I could be wrong. I think Kyrie having a player that's better than him. Granted. Durant coming off an Achilles injury, uh, you know, he has taken his time. And I think that being able to have some more rest, because uh, now he's been out for what? It's almost a year and a half, maybe. Uh, yeah. So looking at him being healthy, I think, okay, Kyrie, you know, I, I kind of think they could win. You know, I don't necessarily... I, I don't think the way he ran the Celtics team and that whole deal, I, I don't think that brand of basketball is necessarily going to translate to winning. I do think, however, if you have a you know, seven-foot monster at small forward who can pull up from 30, you know, give you the business, give you a little shimmy, hit you with the, hit you with the turnaround, give you the Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway, like, he, you know, it's – that his his arsenal is so diverse and he can throw so much at you that I just can't see uh, Kevin Durant being on a team with a guy that is as good as Kyrie. I can't see that turning into a situation where um, you know they don't have success. I, I think they I think they will be successful. I think Steve Nash makes it really interesting because uh, I don't know how much of that is just a hire for. Like maybe like looks like okay hey look we got Stephen Ash as the head coach here we're just kind of got to do our own thing or uh, if he's got some different ideas and offenses he wants to run uh, that's interesting to me and also they have some guys around them you know that like the TLCs of the world you got the Karis Leverts you got I don't think Dinwiddie I think he gets moved um, but the, you know that's a different type of story Joe Harris like all these guys can kind of pick up some slack so I think they could be successful I I, I want to say I have them getting to like the second round in the east and, and if not that maybe the eastern conference finals for sure 
For sure. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I got a question from my buddy Randy at Don Randy B. Uh, why don't the Thunder go back to Seattle and become the Supersonics again? Easy answer. Uh, okay, so he's not letting go of the team. Uh, Seattle will get a team eventually. Um, I don't think there we have to spend any time on that unless you want to just. Really? Yeah, that's. I mean, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't not know letting, why that that's not happening. But yeah, they're uh, not letting them go. No, I got a. Uh, so my brother actually asked a question at Jimenez underscore Derek. Do the Celtics get rid of Hayward for Miles Turner and or Kimba for Drew Holiday, or do we try again with Hayward and Kimba? Um, I've actually this is actually a pretty good question. Uh, I won't spend too much time on it because I think it's a straightforward answer. Uh, I I I think the Celtics need a center. You know, Daniel, Daniel Tyus is solid, uh, but they do need a legit center. And, uh, you know, JB, um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are amazing scoring guards. I don't think the Celtics need a scoring guard. I think they need a guy who can score but will play defense. I think that team's strength is is the fact that they have a Jason Tatum slash people want to call him Young Kobe, whatever you want to call him, RIP. But I think if you do get a Drew Holiday type situation, then, you know, that that scoring slash defensive mindset that he can bring in, I think I think that team is extremely better. And I, I and and I'll let you go ahead and say what you got to say. We'll just keep it, it uh, keep it kind of short or whatever. Yeah. What was the trade real quick? Uh, he my brother was asking, do the Celtics get rid of Hayward for Miles Turner and or Kemba for Drew Holiday? Hmm. Yeah, I, I'd rather have the Miles Turner probably just because, uh, like they they have a lot. You know, they have a lot kind of in place to where maybe a Drew Holiday wouldn't really be something that you're looking for if you're a Celtics fan because we say we already got, you know, JB, you got uh, Tatum, you know. Marcus Smart. They, Smart, they got, you know, some other guys coming off the bench. So it's kind of like, it seems like a place that wouldn't really fit for Drew, but I, I would like seeing Miles Turner there for sure. Yeah, or, or I mean, or you could do a Hayward for Adams trade. I like that. Hey, I, don't, Hayward, I don't hate that. Hayward for Adams trade, and then you go get Drew Holiday for Kimba. I just, just for me, I just legit just don't think they need a small point guard that can score the ball for that Celtics team. But um, I got a buddy who asked me, Dustin Sturdy at Dustin Sturdy, um, asked me, do the Bulls trade Zach Levine to the Mavs for draft picks? To me, with Billy Donovan, I think you let Billy try to develop Zach Levine a little bit more. Maybe he ups his game a little bit more, and then you get even better value for him. I don't think you just dump him to the Mavs. I know the Mavs would actually like that, so maybe the Mavs do try to go for that. Um, but for me, I think the Bulls should definitely hold on to the, some of those young pieces and let Billy try to do what Billy did in OKC and develop these guys. Uh, bring that culture, uh, that that development culture, because that's what OKC has been—a development culture. Uh, so right. for me, I you know I think that's you know that's that's where I would go. Uh, what do you think? So when I saw that trade, I was like, that's definitely going to happen. But now thinking about it, um, you know, Billy brought Mo Cheeks with him, and Mo Cheeks is kind of that guy that's going to would you know be in the kind of like in in your ear from afar type deal where Zach Levine is probably thinking like. Maybe if they don't get a new coach, he's probably thinking, hey, where can I go? Where can I get traded? But sometimes when new coaches come in, I think that gives players a little bit more um, rejuvenation, you know what I mean? Kind of like a new new outlook, a new, you know, get some energized and ready to go. So uh, I I don't see them being a, I see them working around Zach Levine being the Bulls. I see the Bulls, you know, keeping him and kind of, 
seeing how that works out. But if I'm Dallas, I do, I really do want Levine because think about a squad that would have him, Porzingis, and Luca. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that would be kind of nasty. Yeah, for sure. And you throw in Tim Hardaway in there as well, who's playing a lot better. I mean, that's a not a bad team. They then they get Jalen <laughs> Brunson back. Ryan Curry too, yeah, I think, yeah. still there. Yeah, it's not a bad team right there for sure. Um. I got a question from my guy Ike at underscore Vintage Ike. Uh, he asked, one, do you think PG would be a better fit for the Rockets more than Westbrook? Two, is Harden the true problem for the Rockets' constant disconnect, uh, discontent attitude? Um, two, I think we answered a little bit earlier that there is a potential that Harden is the problem. One, it, I mean, with this current roster, you would have to believe, I mean, you'd be almost foolish to believe that that Russ is a better fit than Paul George. Um I mean, a, a, a line, if you could throw a lineup of Paul George and uh, Robert Covington um, out there for defensive purposes along with P.J. Tucker and maybe Daniel House or something, like, I mean, you, I, granted, outside of the bigs, I, I don't see how you score on that team. So I, with this current construction of the Houston Rockets, yes, I, I think Paul George is definitely a better fit. Um, what do you think? It's the same thing, man. It's, it's, uh, it's almost kind of like what matches and what doesn't. And mm-hmm. for me, Paul George is – and Robert Covington, those type of dudes, PJ, those are the type. It's like the the wingmen, the swings, like the 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 athletic uh, wings that you know you really can play three and D. And Paul George just kind of fits that a little bit more. Uh, so that's an interesting one. I think I would I would definitely say Paul George also. Yeah, I, I think that you know I, I I'm not sure if you if you're able to keep Robert Covington uh, in a trade to get Paul George. Um, but if you can, then definitely, I think that, you know, that's definitely not a bad play. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? I got a question from my guy, Wisdom. Where should Russell Westbrook, where should Westbrook go? Um, honestly, I want him to go East. I want him to just, I I mean, I I just want him to go East and kind of try to take a chance at, at let him finishing his career, just being the best player that he could be. Um, if he's going to go to contender, maybe Milwaukee, maybe, maybe the Lakers, um, maybe the Clippers just take a chance. I mean, I would like for him to go to the Clippers strictly for the fact that if it doesn't work, Kawhi will leave. That team will get blown up, and then we have all their draft picks. So, I mean, it looks good for OKC. Um, but, you know, I just want Russell Westbrook to go and be able to play and, like, not – I think Russell Westbrook in a place where he's not going to have the spotlight, like, essentially from, like, the national media, could turn a team around. Uh, maybe he goes and plays for Billy Donovan in Chicago. Blah, like, uh, who knows? You know, I, I think, I think, but I do. If I could put a team, I'm not gonna put a team. But if I should say anything, I would say he just needs to go somewhere where he's this national spotlight isn't on their team. Uh, what do you think? So this, I mean, Russ, you're getting to a point in his career where, you know, it's like, do you want to go grind for a contender? Do you want this and that? I personally think maybe he's. You know, maybe he wants to chill a little bit and kind of wind it down. He's not, I mean, he's still got some left in the tank, but check this out for him. Say he goes to a team like the New York Knicks. Then you got you got the Knicks and the Nets kind of getting some of that national attention again. Mm-hmm. You could have Russ on Broadway every night. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a marketer's dream, man, like to mm-hmm. have – Russell Westbrook in New York, he's got fashion stuff going on there. He's got ties to the city. And then also, on the flip side, he could be going up against Durant again, and it would be good for, like, you know, some 
some it would be good writing for the media i'll say that that'd be a good get some storylines out of that but i i don't know how uh how much he would like going to a team that isn't gonna contend i would i don't want to see russ just flail out you know yeah that's for sure and and like you said i think it's i think it's important to to uh to what's it called to to Russ just to be where he's where he's gonna be happy and where he wants to be because I think that's what's best for him to play his best game. Um, I got a question: Should Kobe be the NBA logo? Uh, nice and concise. I just I just think you know just let Kobe you know kind of rest in peace. Uh, I think the NBA did what they need to do. Um, I mean, if there is a change of it, I guess you may throw his name in there. I also got another question from Andre Garcia. I'll let you take this one. How can the Spurs get back to their old ways? Trade scenario maybe. Um, I'll just say this real quick, and I kind of got to get dressed because I got work here soon, but I I think the Spurs just kind of got to go through the growing pains. They're going through it right now. They found some young, good guys. Just kind of go through the growing pains, build up your assets, and then, I mean, San Antonio is a destination spot. And so I, I think eventually down the road you can get some guys to go play, um, especially if, if Pop is still sticking around. Uh, but I'll let you take this as I get dressed, bro. Yeah, you're good. Like... You're not going to get anywhere near what you had with the Spurs back in 99, 2000. You, you got lucky that year with getting, you know, Tim Duncan. And then you had, you know, that ushering in era of, you know, moving from the Admiral to, to Duncan and those titles and the dynasty. That's, that's almost like a Patriots type deal that they had going on down there. You, it's going to be hard to recreate that uh, unless maybe bringing back. I saw Duncan. I don't know if he's on the staff anymore. I think something happened with that. But um, I, I think you're right. You're going to have to move on from probably DeRozan, um, probably move on from Marcus Aldridge. Like those, you know, it's not – it's almost like – it's kind of like they're just there for a minute to hang out, you know, buy a T-shirt and go somewhere else type deal. Uh, it's not – it's nothing, uh, nothing against them, but I just don't see you. I like the young pieces that they have, but I just don't see where you're gonna do a lot with those guys necessarily uh, going forward. Now their young, young core, I, I like that. I think they keep, they should keep that intact, but maybe try to flip Aldridge or DeRozan or some type of deal. Yeah, for sure, and and yeah, I think that you know I, that's the Spurs. You know, another team that's spoiled as hell and. And uh, you're just gonna have to go through those growing pains, man. But you got anything, anything last second things or anything you want to plug or or talk mm. about? And, and uh, I'll definitely have to get get you on again, man. Uh, I, you know, I'm getting more questions coming in, but definitely have to get you on again, man. This was fun. Yeah, no, I I, I think this is. I think we could do some things, man. I think we'd be a good little little team on the podcast circuit. This has been real cool. Uh, check out if anybody gets bored and wants to read some stuff. I just dropped my first, uh, it's really a short story of kind of the night of when the NBA shut down and my time in Oklahoma City at the game that night, uh, just with COVID and everything. I dropped that. It's on my my web my uh, my Twitter and it's on some other places too, but. Yeah, check that shout, out shout at, at out. Mr. October. Yeah, go ahead. Shout, shout out all the places that, you, that you're showing your content and whatnot so people can go check you out. Yeah, so you can check me out on Instagram, Twitter. It's the same handle. It's at Mr. October, M-R-O-K-C-T-O-B-E-R. Uh, I got a little bit of work on – I gave a shout out earlier. It's at um, underscore 
OKC UK. They have the Twitter page and their Instagram as well. Hit me with a follow. Um, but yeah, man, this has been really cool. Hopefully we can do it again maybe sometime in a week or two. Hell yeah, bro. We'll have to keep in touch, man. But I appreciate you for jumping on, dog. Yes, sir. Have a good one, bro. All right, bro. You too. Well, that's the show. I appreciate y'all, all y'all for joining in. Hope that we, you know, gave some good insight. Shout out to Brandon for coming on, man. I appreciate everything y'all done for the podcast. Make sure you check out all of what Brandon has to offer at Mr. October, Mr. OKC Tober on Twitter. Make sure you check out all episodes of Oops Rant, but I'm out, baby.